Who is it? I don't want any. I'm not so sure. Yeah, when you leave. Promise? Welcome, I guess. I hope you don't stay long. Can we make this quick? Not if you want to receive what you need. Okay, what am I supposed to do? Embrace me as a friend and rejoice that I am here. You're kidding. <laughs> nope. Just these things, but I am bringing a special gift to you that only I can give. Hmm, Okay. If you say so, thank you, God, for sending me this friend. I'm not supposed to be the real trial. Right, right. She's my friend. Yes. Yes. Now, in between the lines, in between the lines, she was afraid of that. No. So, in fact, in fact, how many people do you know that count it all joy, that consider it pure joy when you fall into various trials? Now, am I saying to you that you really should count it joy? No. God is. God is saying it to you. He's saying it to me. And when I've been able to do that, I've experienced it, and the test is over. When we had this major flood here, we were five minutes into it. We had more water. This, this rug was floating in four inches of water. When they came, they said, we've never seen water in the residence as much as we see here. Five minutes in, Clint said, Paul, you preached last Tuesday on trials. And I said, you're right. And he started singing, Jesus loves me. The test was over. Because attitude changed. Didn't happen Sunday. A week ago, Sunday. We were on our way. We left early so we could get in time for the wedding. And I was supposed to go west on 394. I had the wrong car. Didn't know we were almost out of gas. I didn't know the that it was in the garage, the Lincoln was in the garage. I didn't look because I thought cars had it, so I took the Mitsubishi, and it was really low on gas, and we had enough time to get there in time, and I took a wrong, I went east on 394 instead of west, and so I said, well, okay, I might as well stop and get gas. I'm in a residential area, no gas station. I go from a residential to a business area, no gas station. Wasted 20 minutes. And I started to get really anxious. I wish I would have just said, God's in control. Because he was. But I didn't feel that way. Anxiety is my attempt to play God, isn't it? 
That, does it work for you? Never. It, it, it just doesn't seem to work for me. It didn't work for me. I got anxious. I got worried. We had a couple spats in the front seat with Naomi in the back. I, the, or worse. Yeah. Didn't feel good. Didn't feel good at all. Called Andrew several times. I said, Andrew, I might not be there at 1 o'clock. Tell Dave Jory that he may be taking at least the first part of the service, if not the whole thing. Felt badly that I was disappointing people. Just felt really bad. Got there one minute after one. Walked past the groom. Hi, Andrew. <laughs> he was okay. Dave got me the mic. I stepped in. I said, pray that I can relax now. Because I was tense. Got up. We had a wonderful celebration. I wasted a lot of anxiety. I flunked my test. I'm going to take it again, I know. I've got to prove to the Lord that I'm not going to be anxious in situations like that. Stop and think now. A test that you are either just went through or that you're in right now. I want you to think about one. I want you to think, how's my attitude? You might say, well, what if it's from the devil? Same attitude. I asked Gary, my friend, after things started breaking down, I, I could count seven things that had broken down within the last few weeks. I said, Gary, is this from God? Or is it from the devil? Or is it me? And what do you say? Yes. <laughs> Same response. Resist the devil. Submit to God. He will flee. God will do what he's going to do. Because God's doing something really wonderful. So, Father, I pray now that you'll just help us. Because we face little ones or big ones every day, every week, every month. They don't go away. We wish they would. We want to ignore them. But they're, they're, they're coming as a friend, not an intruder, to give us something that we really need. And so I pray that you'd help us now to respond rightly to those things that come our way so that we can grow, so that we can be all that you want us to be. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and stir in our hearts and do something good in us. Amen. So in my prayers, let's see if I have, no, I don't have it here. <clears throat> in my prayer time, I thank God for trials, for tests, for conflict. Because they're things that God can use powerfully in my life. And I want to thank him so that when they come, I'm more likely to thank him. And I have passed some tests because I have thanked him up in front. So James, he's hard-hitting. He's a hard-hitting writer. He doesn't spend any time getting into it slowly like Paul does and praying for us before he gives it to us. He comes right in with a, after a short greeting, 
consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials. So we're going to look at about five things. First of all, we embrace tests with joy. Say it with me. We embrace tests with joy. Not kidding. When do we embrace tests with joy? When we face them, not when we finish them. Our tendency is to embrace, oh, thank you, Lord. Glad I'm through that. And then we finish it. We don't get the benefit of the test. Because if we go through it with that proper attitude, then we have the joy that we're needing. How did Israel do with its tests? You know, God was counting. He said ten times in the book of Exodus, or Numbers. He said these ten times. So he was counting how many times they had failed their tests. And finally he said, I've had enough. Deuteronomy says that God gave things to them to test them to see what was in their heart. Did you know that God does that? Jesus said to Philip, Philip, how are we going to feed this many people? He said this, it said in John 6, he said this, testing him. Philip got out of his calculator. He said, I don't think we've got enough. A, we don't have enough to, uh, for these people. It was a wrong kind of test. It was a faith test, and he made it a financial test, and he flunked the test. So God had to give it to him again. He did it 4,000. Hey, remember last time we did this? So I want you to take that test that you're going through now. Take a moment and just stop and say, thank you, God, for what you're going to teach me. Go ahead. I did this once before in here. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little experiment with you. If I if I squeeze this, what's gonna come out? Hmm? Toothpaste? You sure? Shall we try it? Let's just let's try it. Okay, let's. Do, I'm gonna squeeze it. Okay. Whoa! What came out? Why? That was on the inside. What comes out of you when uh, you get squeezed? Huh? Whatever's on the inside, right? What's on the inside will come out. When, when Joseph got squeezed, this good stuff kept coming out. And the guy was so responsible. He goes down to prison. Bad time. God is squeezing him. Gets accused wrongly. Potiphar believes his wife. Test after test, and God's squeezing him. What's coming out? Character. Something's been shaped really wonderfully. Didn't have a bad attitude. What, 
when God squeezes you, what comes out? Whatever's on the inside. Consider it pure joy, my brother, whenever. It's not if ever. They're out there. They're going to come our way. We're going to have them. No temptation has taken you. That's one kind of test. But such as is common to man. Peter says, knowing that the same experience of suffering is being encountered by your brothers throughout the world. Trials, tests are democratic. They don't pick on you. You're not being picked on by God. It's We all experience them. Count all joy whenever you face trials. Do not be surprised. Aren't we? Aren't we sometimes? You know, don't we sometimes say, hey, I'm reading my Bible. I'm underlining it, for goodness sake. I'm, I'm, I'm regular. I'm doing this. Why should I miss a plane? Why should my car? We want it to be a smooth ride. How many of you feel that it's harder than you thought it was going to be? That the Christian life is more difficult? That, that your life is harder than you expected? Mine is harder than I thought it was going to be. It's wonderful. But I have to say it's harder. I didn't expect it to be is hard. I expected it to be a little smoother. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial. As if something strange. What's strange? Rare? Uncommon? Are trials rare and uncommon? No. They're real common. They happen to you and they happen to me. They happen to all of us. That's a part of life. In the world you will have tribulation, Jesus said. So we together partake of difficulties, sorrows, tests. Some God allows, some he ordains. Everyone gets tested. Third, when you face trials of various kinds, Third thing, tests are varied. Here's a test. Now you tell me what it's going to do, what this test is going to do. Okay? Here's a test. It's creating pain. What's it working? Where? On my leg? Did, did it build my leg? Not much. As much, it builds more here, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you say? Or, thank you. So different, different workouts will test different parts of the body. Say yes. Yes. Okay. So God tests different parts of us, like he'll test us in our finances. He'll test us in our relationships. He'll test us in our patience. He'll test us in our anointing. He'll test us in those things that he's called us to. Gabriel is a personal trainer and I was having (coughs) trouble with my knees. And so Gabriel said, this is what you need to do, Dad. And I didn't want to do it. Why? Because it caused pain. Duh. 
That was the purpose. So God will give us tests in a variety of areas because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Why do we need perseverance? So we can keep going so we can continue the race well. You're running a good race. You expect to finish. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I want to finish. I'd like to finish well. I'd like to finish strong. My dad finished strong. I asked him near the end of his race, about two weeks left. I said, Dad, do you have any unfinished business? He said, no, I did what I was supposed to do. I'd like to finish that way. I did what I was supposed to do. So I want perseverance. Perseverance is one of the most important end time qualities. It comes out often. Endurance comes out often in the scriptures when talking about the second coming because we need perseverance. We get tired, feel like giving up. I was in Finland once and I was getting ready to speak and I just thought I'd ask him a question before. There were about 90 pastors there and I, I said, how many have felt like throwing in the towel? Ten of them stood up. Some of them were crying when they stood up. But my... It's hard out there. It's hard to be a leader, hard to be a pastor, hard to finish, hard just to keep going. So what does God do? He gives us tests so that he builds. We build something. Count it all joy. When you have various workouts for the testing of your faith, produces steadfastness. It's a workout. You can see it in a positive way. Let steadfastness have its perfect work. Listen to this. So that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Then we see it's our friend. Something really wonderful is happening in your life. God is doing something really good in your life. He's using pain to do it. One comedian was talking about this. You've heard the no pain, no gain. She said, well, I got a new one. No pain, no pain. That was her way to, way to avoid. It's strange. We do avoid pain. I, I avoid workouts sometimes because I know that the purpose is to give you pain. And it was disappointing to me. Gabriel said, Dad, if you're not feeling some soreness, change the exercise. You need to feel some soreness afterwards because you're getting into new territory. You're building new muscle. We want to have the pain. It's not so that we're trying to avoid it. But because we like it easy, we like it smooth, it's easy for us when this comes our way to try to avoid it or if we can quickly get through it or around it, count it all joy. Consider it pure joy when you face trial. So when I was at North Heights some months ago and the car broke down, thinking about this, I said, just so you, just so you know, God, this is a good time for this to happen. Because I said that stupid thing before. This is a terrible time to, for this to happen. No, it isn't. It's a good time. Good time to be tested. 
good time to see what's in, what your attitude is, how you're responding to things when they don't go smooth, when they go rough. How do you respond? What kind of attitude do you have? You get grouchy like I did last Sunday. I'm embarrassed at how weak I was. So God needs to bring me through that one again. I hope I'm ready for it. So that I can say, God, thank you that you put me in this situation. I'm going to show you how much I believe that you're in control. Because he was. I got there in time. I waste all that anxiety on nothing. Let steadfastness have its perfect work. It may be perfect and complete. Some people, some bodybuilders will work out the upper body and they got these weak, skinny legs. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so God wants us to be really toned throughout our body. All kinds of areas. So we don't have these weak areas so that we do something stupid. We get up and, as a leader and we do something dumb because we had gaps in our training. How's God doing in training you? How's he doing? How are you responding to the tests that he's giving you? And if anyone lack wisdom, I want you to see the context of asking for wisdom. It's not because you didn't study, and so you, instead of cramming, you're asking, oh, God, give me wisdom. That's not this context. The context is in the context of passing tests of life that come our way. And if any man lack wisdom about this, why? Because when you face tests, you can get some funny ideas about life and some funny ideas about God. Help me with some of them. What are some ideas in the midst of tests that we face, that we get about God. Okay, God's mad at me. God's angry with me. Pardon? Yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. That's a that's a big one. He doesn't like me. He likes people. I just don't have any. He blesses people. I'm not one of them. He's picking on me. Or he's not as strong as I thought he was. Or he's not as good as I thought he was. Or he causes everything. For goodness sakes. Does he? That, that is a terrible doctrine. He causes everything to work for good. But he doesn't cause everything. And so I need wisdom because the temptation is for me to think of something about God that isn't true. That he's maybe cool, or maybe he's getting even with me for something I did as a teenager. And he's kind of beating me. It's easy in the midst of pain to to assume a distant God. In truth, he's closer than ever. In fact, he's closer than ever. The Bible says, but we can feel, because we're going through this thing, it's really uncomfortable, or it's embarrassing, or it's downright difficult. We think, well, he's not as close. No, he's closer than ever. And he's showing, he's pouring out his love 
It's in the context of suffering that Paul says it. God's pouring his love into our heart through the Holy Spirit. He said two verses earlier that suffering produces steadfastness. That's the next point I want to say. Why do we embrace tests? Because we know. We know. It says it in Romans 5. Knowing that suffering produces steadfastness. Steadfastness produces character, and character produces hope. And then that same no here in James. Why do people work out? Because they know something. They know that six months, not two days, six months down the road, things are going to be different. And it's hard to do it consistently, isn't it? So God helps us by giving us many tests of many kinds, many kinds, so that we are built up, so that we are ready for life as it comes to us, so we can embrace it and not try to run from it, not try to ignore it. Parents who shield their kids from tests that are bound to come their way, their kids aren't, aren't going to be ready. They're not going to be ready to, to pass the tough ones because we graduate to deeper tests, don't we? What is it? Greater, greater levels, greater devils. I was pretty good at fifth grade math. I did really terrible in college level trigonometry. Man, I was terrible. It got harder. I thought as long as I had division down, I was okay. No, there was more to, more to learn. So we pray, God, give us wisdom in what we're going through. Help us to understand. Help us to see this right. What are you doing here, God? What are you working? Sometimes he'll tell us, sometimes he won't. And then Paul skips a few verses, then he comes back. Blessed is he that endures trials, for when he has stood the test, he shall receive the crown of life. It's the Lord has promised to those who love him. It's the Stephanos. It's not the crown of a king, the diadem. It's the Stephanos of a victor, an athletic victor, who has trained, who has worked, and who's a champion. He's won. He stood the test. And now he receives a, a crown that the Lord has promised. So when we pass tests, there's something that God gives us. He gives us the ability to get through. And then he rewards us at the same time. My experience tells me that a test passed becomes a testimony. I've shared about that flood several times. It's a testimony of God's goodness. Because we were, we were able to finish. We, ran, we had run out of money. And through the flood, we got something like $14,000. I 
He only needed about seven. And God was being kind to us to help us to finish. And when you thank him at the front end, when you face it, rather than when you finish it, and it becomes a testimony. Then you can talk about how good God is. Tests can skew our picture of God. And so James says this about the Father, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation, neither shadow, due to change. In other words, he's really a good father, like Bob said at the beginning. He's really good, even, even in the midst of the test. He's a good coach. He's a good trainer. He's a good father. We need to anchor our faith in the goodness of God, especially in the midst of tests. Because that's when things get screwy in our heads sometimes. So we want to say, God, I don't understand this, but I know you're so good. I know you're so kind. I know something good is coming out of this. I'm getting weary. I'm getting frazzled. I'm losing something. I'm getting irritable. I know that you're good. I know that you're kind. You're doing something really wonderful in my heart, so keep doing it. And allow me to have the right attitude as I walk through this. I don't want to become a victim. I don't want to be, become entitled to things better. I want to face these tests. I want to pass them. I want to honor you. I want the crown. I want the testimony. I think we covered it. So I want to pray for you. Any response here? Any anything? Want to speak back? How you doing on your tests? Hmm. You don't know? <laughs> I think, I think right. Okay. <laughs> Anybody want to share a test? My family. Pardon? My family. Your family? Yeah. <laughs> Speak it out good and loud. Anybody want to ask Levi any question about it? What's God working in you through this, Levi? What do you what do you see him working? The biggest thing I think would be compassion. Compassion. Do you love your mom and dad? Safe for their own sake, but not for my 
like that was something the Lord convicted me of. But he was like, you know, you're praying for your family, but you're praying it for because you want something to change and you want them to change and hope, and hope that maybe they'll change for you. And that's and that's wrong. Uh huh. Convicted me of that. I think that's putting a lot of expectation on them. And I think that's when the Lord's been definitely working in my heart. Is I want to see them get on to it. I see that brokenness that leads to. So. How's your attitude at home? Good for you. Somebody want to pray for Levi for this test he's going through? Yeah, Father, we just give Levi your grace and your strength and your joy to go through this. Um, yeah, thank you that he have an easy addiction that, that you come out We believe in you, Levi. We believe in, in your responding in such a way that you bless your parents. And your parents see your love. Anybody else want to share? Um, you said sometimes that um, trials <coughs> are opportunities for testimonies. And um, it seems like sometimes the Lord puts you in a season of trials. And
just one trial after another. Um, I was a realtor in that time uh, doing marketplace ministry, and so my wife and I started investing in um, houses for retirement fund, and this was like in 2004 through 2006, and then 2007 came, and the real estate industry kind of dropped off of the world, and our renters, <coughs> a couple of them lost their jobs, and typically they would find a job again. You don't want to kick people out just because they lost a job. If they're good renters, they're going to make that up. Well, this time they couldn't find jobs, and so now we are covering the um, principal and interest that they were doing, and it was just kind of a domino effect, but Eventually, we lost um, five rental houses to the bank, plus our own house. Mm. So went through all these foreclosures. Then I ended up having to have neck surgery, so I actually had um, three vertebrae fused together in the back of my neck. And I've got a titanium plate in there, too, holding things together. Um, then... We were in a situation where we were getting a, a, um, counsel from an attorney, and he suggested we file bankruptcy because we owed so much money to so many people. You know, it's like we kept borrowing money because we were, um, the idea was that we were kind of going through a little blip at the time in the real estate industry. Nobody had predicted that it was going to be long term, so if we can just kind of hold on. And uh, so we exhausted our, all of our resources and um, filed bankruptcy. And that was pretty humiliating. You work all your life to try to gain some mm. assets. Mm. And they're gone in a flash. <coughs> then um, I uh, get a job teaching school and uh, take um, some seventh and eighth graders out to the East Coast on an um, American history tour, and we get to New York City, and I have a heart attack. So I end up staying in New York uh, for about two and a half weeks recovering, and then I had to wear a defibrillator for three months afterwards. You know the things that they go, clear! <laughs> and I actually had one around my chest, and uh, so that if my heart, it would sense my heartbeat, and if it um, quit, then it would sense that and shock me back into life. At least that was the theory. Um, so those were trying days. Uh. <laughs> and um, God brought us through that, and um, we were also helping to plant a church at that time, uh, Northgate Church. And I remember talking to the Lord saying, man, I've been in full-time ministry for years, and then marketplace ministry, and I'm saying, Lord, is this how I'm going to go out? You know, I mean, I came close to death. My wife and I were on the phone talking when I was in New York. I'm in the hospital and not knowing if I was going to survive or not. 
Mm. Fortunately, I was only a block and a half away from a hospital when that happened. And um, uh, so we were saying our goodbyes, and uh, I was telling the Lord, uh, I'm excited to see you face to face, but if you've got something else for me to do, I'd be happy to, you know, do that. And uh, when I was in college, I gave my whole future to the Lord and said, you take it and do with it whatever you want. And um, it was interesting, in uh, about a year later, I, I just, I was recovering from my heart attack, <coughs> and I felt like the Lord wanted me to go back into full-time ministry. And so I met with my pastor, Steve Perkins, and he acknowledged that. About um, two weeks later, we had a men's retreat, and Paul was our speaker. And um, after the Saturday morning message, there's about 50 men in this men's retreat, and um, Paul said, so he finishes up his talk. We were talking about father wounds, which is an excellent series. He said, gentlemen, I don't know if you are familiar with prophetic ministry or not, but I'm going to demonstrate it right now. And he points to me, and he said, I see an hourglass over your head, and the Lord's flipping it upside down, and he's saying, time is up. Now, everybody in the room knew I had just come off a heart attack about a year before. <laughs> so the whole room... They ooh, gasped. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> and Paul says, no, he's not going to die. <laughs> and then um, Paul said, God is calling you back into full-time ministry. Do you think this might take a year for it to happen? But... Um, he's got a ministry, and it's only going to be in a couple weeks. He's going to open the door for a new ministry for you. And he was just prophesying things that he felt the Lord was going to do in my future. And, um, and I had some pretty significant ministry back in the day, and the way Paul was talking was that that was going to look like you know, kids play compared to what the Lord was going to lead me into. And I was just melting on the floor because that just resonated with what I had been praying that I had been seeking the Lord for to um, be involved in his kingdom. And so uh, four days later, I run into a guy I hadn't seen for 22 years. And he happens to be a professor over at Bethel. Invites me to come and be a guest lecturer in his class. And ministry started out of that that is continuing to this day. And uh, it was actually two weeks and two days after that prophetic word that I was over on Bethel and was part of a deliverance for a student that had her life so radically, radically changed <coughs> that her friends were asking her, what happened to you? And it opened the door to um, more ministry with more students, and um, it has continued to this day. So um, I, I almost feel like Job, where 
there was a lot of bad stuff that happened, but as Paul quoted um, Romans 8:28, for God causes all things to work together for good. Mm -hmm. He doesn't necessarily cause stuff to happen, but he'll work that together for good uh, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And then the next verse is really a good one too, 29. Um, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Mm. And that's the point. Sure it is. is that the stress and the strain mm -hmm. he squeezes us just like he squeezed you know, Jesus got squeezed. Um, mm -hmm. Hebrews tells us that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Mm -hmm. um, for Jesus to not know perfect obedience as a human, but learned that, grew in that. Um, so, I guess that's my testimony. I just want to say amen to that word. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you, Dave. Raise your hand if you're in the midst of a really tough one. A really tough one. Put your hands up. Okay, hold them up until that uh, the people behind. Put your hand on, uh, keep your hands up until at least two people are touching you. Keep them up until two people. Look around. You get to move. You, you don't have to stay in the same place now. You can move around. Let's, let's really believe now for our brothers and sisters. I'll lead in prayer. And those of you who are close to somebody, you can uh, whisper a prayer. Let's believe that the testimony that Dave had, that God brought him through a horrendous time, near death, loss of finances, and now he's being ordained next Sunday. Just a glorious journey. So Father, we, we stand with our brothers and sisters. And we don't know what they're going through, but you do. And you are a wonderful Father. Oh, help our friends in the midst of their sorrow to see your goodness. Lord, let them anchor, let them anchor their faith now in the promises, in the blessings of a good Father. And we pray that your love, not your anger, your love will overwhelm them. Days ahead. Go ahead, Father. Go ahead. Show them how good you are. You did it quickly for Dave. Do it for them now, Lord. In this season, right in front, do it for them. Now you that are close to people, go ahead and pray for them. Speak words of hope. You have a prophetic word? No. Give it.
About another minute. Father loves to give financial provision. He loves to bless us in tangible ways. Not just in what we consider spiritual ways, but he is concrete in his love and specific to places of need. He loves to give financial provision. He loves to touch our bodies and heal us. As we have welcomed the king, this is the, today we're really welcoming the king to this place, to this home, to this community. And as we do, we're feeling, we, we're feeling like we're welcoming someone who is going to be showing us in this season, right before us, tonight and the days ahead, 
astounding miracles, miracles of grace, miracles of physical healing, miracles of outlandish provision. And so our desire as we have these meetings is that we upgrade our faith to match his goodness. Jesus loved to see extraordinary faith. And when he saw it, he commended them. And sometimes they were not the Jewish people, like a Canaanite woman. He commended her. Woman, great is your faith. And I want God to say that about me in this season. Paul, your faith is great. Your faith is there. Because I want to see him doing these things. And I am believing him. I am believing him to do mighty miracles. And what starts in this community, I believe, will go to the world. It will go to the world. And we'll look back and read the history. And we'll thank God for allowing us to experience the kinds of things that we'll be experiencing today and in these days. I feel we've just caught his word and his will, his desire to, to touch. I'm praying for 500,000 in the, in the greater Minneapolis-St. Paul area that are swept into the kingdom. If any of you want to join me, just join me in believing. God, give us 500,000 who come into the kingdom because they hear of what's happening and because God's people go out to them. And the place is different. It's different after this sweep of God's mighty spirit. So each night we want to pray for people. We want to pray for physical healing. We want to pray for emotional. For some, emotional healing is, is more painful than physical. I know it is for one of our young men who is here, maybe more than one. And so he, they need healing and deep in their emotions. And the God who touches bodies touches spirits. And he's especially biased toward those people. He has a bias for the broken. So we're, we're expecting God just to come like waves over us. Tomorrow night, Nate will be speaking on hearing the voice of God. I've heard him give this before. It's very practical. It's right down to where we live. And he'll be doing it again on Wednesday. And we'll continue to pray for people. You can hang as long as you want. We love to pray with people. You're sitting among people that love to pray. If you know of someone who, who can use that kind of prayer and you want to encourage them to come, we'd sure do that. So, Father, we want to lie down on the pillow tonight more convinced than ever of your great kindness. More convinced than ever that you have assignments to give to us that we're far from finished. You have things for us to do. They're going to touch far and wide. And we thank you, King Jesus, that you are walking among us. And we, we just see ourselves moving around this city and uh, spreading this virus of love and spiritual influence wherever we go.